Hail, welcome to Owen's Alchemy. This week we have, uh, I have the great pleasure of wel welcoming Topher. Uh, he's been speaking around about regenerative agriculture, which obviously I also have a great interest in. And then uh, I've seen him on some of the interviews, some of the other uh, concepts that he's throwing out there were just fantastic. And uh, I really wanted to have a chat with him and he's just general, his information's good. And then there's a few other uh, items that he's talked about and at least mentioned that uh, I want to get into and flesh out a little bit deeper. Um, and exciting time. So if I'm a little bit antsy this week, guys, a fire, it literally just broke out like 15 minutes ago, just down the mountain from me in town. And there's fire bombers going around and stuff. So I'm a little bit antsy, uh, kind of watching that. So don't don't bother with that. Um, nothing we can do about it. But uh, oof, eh, hopefully I'm, I'm good. Um, and it's been a real mild fire season so far and a real cool and moist year. So they've already got air support coming in. They've got three different fire stations on it. So it's not like in October, end of October, when half the state's burning and all the resources are used up and stretched thin. So uh, that makes me a lot happier too, at least if we're going to have it around here, let it be at the beginning of the year when they have the resources. But with that, uh, welcome Topher. And uh, please uh, throw out any information you want and uh, uh, any websites and let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, I believe, I don't know when you guys are going to post this, but uh, probably the second week in August, my website, Topher HQ, will be launched. And on uh, that, a link to all the different projects I've been doing over the last 15 years. So there's going to be a link to um, my company here in Costa Rica, which uh, we make biochar. And then we also build domes and all different types of dome homes, all different types of structures. Uh, but our, our name down here is Tico Dome. So on Facebook, there's Tico Dome. Um, on Instagram, I'm BioCharisma. That's my other company that I have in both the United States and in Costa Rica. And BioCharisma stands for Biochar-isma, <laughs> which uh, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm a big biochar guy. I love biochar. It's like, it, it's really a godsend, which I want to I, I wanna run this theory by you because you're, you're the man to talk to. I have a theory of why biochar, especially as a top cover, is so incredible. Um, so, so, and then I'm starting a new company in the United States called Coral Domes, and uh, I'm bringing I'm bringing to the market um, biochar infused aircrete domes that you can build on a very wow. on a very large scale. And uh, I'm working with a company out of Missouri um, known as uh, Ozark Legacy Construction. And we're going to bring these to market in 2023. So I'm pretty excited about that. Are those going to have the same effect? Like where you see in some areas, they take your, uh, the, they'll take char and they'll just basically put it in chicken wire and they'll put that, their vegetables and whatnot inside there to let make them keep. 
is that same effect going to hold when it's mixed? And then is that going to be like an, just like the most amazing root cellar material? It has a very, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's considered making like an organite house, but there's a, there's a lot of factors when it comes to how you can keep something fresh. And one of the factors is the, the shape of the vessel. It's not only what the vessel is made of, but actually the shape of the vessel. So what I found in my, in my biochar experiments up to this moment has been that it cancels EMF. Because if you could imagine each shard of, of pyrolyzed carbon is like a shard of graphite. And when you have billions of these little shards and all these like crazy asymmetric angles, whenever a millimeter wave or whenever any type of electromagnetic wave tries to get through that, it gets reflected ad infinitum. And so like, like arrow going through chain mail. <laughs> exactly. It, it's not, it's not going to work. And, you know, when you're making biochar, you're making graphene because graphene is just very, very, very thin carbon. And so um, I have like probably a hundred videos on Instagram on, on biocharisma where I'll make some biochar and I'll just crumple it in my hands and it sounds like glass, you know, and then you sprinkle that into whatever medium you want. And the cool thing is when you add that to, to concrete or if you add that to aircrete, it strengthens the bond, the calcification bonds that occur with, with the, the binder known as cement. And so what I can do by adding biochar to my carbon, carbon? is it borrowing the carbons out of there? Is it borrowing the carbons out of there and making a carbon bond? You would know more about it than I would. Um, I'm, that would be my very first guess. Cause I mean, you know, you're putting that acidic, uh, uh, you know, that, material in there and it's breaking it down just a little bit and it's really and then now you have it has an available carbon to bond with yeah as far as i understand it it's the cement process as it cures is very alkaline it's a yeah. it's a very very alkaline process so it would it would need extra it would need some sort of extra uh donor <laughs> one would say of, of energy. And I know that the carbon, the carbon molecule itself, you know, if water is, you know, menos like a, like a pentagon or pentagram, when you look at it in its, in its easy state and its exclusion zone state, then you have the carbon molecule that looks like a, like a six sided uh, hexagram. There's some magic that occurs between the two. They really like each other. And uh, I, guess I, I guess I'll just say something to you. I think part of the reason why it, it makes it stronger is I've noticed this very interesting thing when I put biochar as a top cover. I think one of the benefits that it has is whenever you pour water over carbon, carbon has like quadrillions of little vacuoles like little holes in it and so whenever water goes over a semi-porous or a semi-permeable membrane it structures the water and so what i'm thinking it's doing when you add that to your slurry when you're making you know aircrete or you're making um uh regular concrete 
you end up just getting a ton of structured water and it's the structured water that makes the concrete better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then gives the concrete even a polarity and everything. And it's going to yeah. push. Oh, that would really a hundred percent. I agree with that. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause we can, we can, so normal concrete, if you do it correctly, has about 2000 pounds per square inch of compression strength but it has very little mechanical strength so that means if you're to put weight on top of it it won't collapse but if you move it it will crack it's kind of brittle it's as soon as you start putting biochar in it your mechanical strength goes out the way out the roof so wow yes the domes that we're going to create, they're going to be thin shell. We're going to do uh, thin shell concrete. And then we're coming over them with aircrete as an insulator um, and also as an EMF protector. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And then, like I said, I think, honestly, it's going to absorb some some of the things being released in the home, some of uh, the things that uh eventually build up and toxify like even the part of why it works with fruit is is it's pulling out that dying air and keeping everything fresh and moving and alive and that's where um, the that's where the dome shape comes in yeah so the the hemispherical dome is the feminine um i'm writing this whole this whole presentation that i'm giving in in september about this but i build what's known as a japanese star dome so what happened about 20 years ago is this Japanese mathematician was looking at mandalas and he had like the Jodie Foster moment in contact where he was like, wait a minute, what would happen if we put this mandala in three dimensions? And so mm -hmm. he, he took this Pentagon mandala and he popped it into three dimensions and it gave a perfect dome. And so... Um, when I saw that about 10 years ago, I flipped my lid because I'd been building geodesic domes and, right. uh, where I live in, in Costa Rica, geodesic domes come here to die because the joinery, all the joinery of the geodesics fail because there are so many earthquakes here. So... I had, I had been building earth domes, which were monolithic, but they were way too heavy. And I was like, there has to be a better way. And then the, these Japanese star dome things showed up and I instantly was like, oh my God, I can build this out of bamboo splits. So the first three that we built, I took, you know, 10 meter long bamboo, which is like 33 feet. And we split it into eight long courses. And then we bent that like these massive bows and built our our first stardoms. And uh, it I was instantly in love because there's a there's a engineering maxim when you're doing concrete work is if if your metal or whatever your mechanical uh, media is in your concrete, if it's under stress, it strengthens the concrete that freezes it in space. So this is how you can have these bridges that are so long and they only have this little arch under them. And the way they do that is they put the, the, those, those tines of metal 
they stretch them and they're putting them under tremendous mechanical stress. And then the concrete freezes that in, in, into, into the shape, the stressed shape. And that makes the concrete's compressive strength and mechanical strength out of this world. So I got super excited because these these stardom like it's almost like freezing that tension and 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 keeping it as part of itself. And when I read it, it made so much sense because I'm 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 technically a massage therapist. Like uh, uh, my my longest held profession is one of massage therapy. So I deal with people's fascia all the time. And so the notion of frozen stress like frozen tension was like, yes, I know exactly what that means. And so um, the star dome is perfect. What's that? My wife, my wife and I, uh, when we first started dating, the very first thing we did, she had to go to a a, a continuing education for her because she's a massage therapist and it was about fascia. Yes. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. So we would have a lot to talk about. So she would love these domes because the domes themselves, they're, they're essentially pentagrams within pentagons within pentagrams. I'll send you some pictures. I don't know if you guys do any of uh, any cover art for your show or whatever, but you can kind of see the beauty of it. And What's crazy is, is that shape, you can build a hemisphere out of what looks like a, a really advanced old school soccer ball. And it looks like there's a thousand pieces of metal. There's only 15 pieces of metal. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You're so that, weaving. Yeah. So that encodes five, and whenever you get into the geometry of the pentagon and the pentagram, you're getting into the phi ratio, you know, the golden ratio. And then when you're getting into the golden ratio, that explains the incommensurate uh, geometry of water, how how structured water and water is. So it, it's just it's just amazing. It's been a it's been a long journey, but it's been it's been a lot of fun with it. And the, the, it, and when you're inside the places, they feel wonderful. Oh, I absolutely bet. And I mean, it goes right along with uh, everybody that wants to uh, get worked up about shungite. Shungite is literally just basically the same exact thing. It's just carbon enriched with minerals from a specific area in Russia. That's that's other than that. This is the same thing so when you're looking at those effects outside of a few maybe tiny variances because of the mineral content where the shungite is you're just talking about basic carbon enriched with minerals mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so you're going to get the same effects yeah so for for me what i've noticed is you know anything that's stored in a dome you know, you have different dome shapes. You have the the domes that I'm talking about now. They're considered a hemispherical dome. Um, so the hemispherical dome is a the feminine energy. It actually draws draws into it. You know, you think like everybody loves boobies. <laughs> it draws energy, the attraction to it. And then you have what's known as a lancet arch dome. Looks like the beehive dome. And that's the male energy. 
and that that so when you're inside those whatever intention you have whatever energy or thoughts you have gets projected out when you're in the hemispherical domes that energy is concentrated in it actually it's it's much much better for concentration and going within so uh it's and what i started to do here like i have a bunch of examples here where we did both like the farm i just sold we had a, a lancet arch dome that had a star dome which was a hemispheric dome over it so we had both the male and female together in the energy in that place was amazing we had done really? a lot we had done a lot of ceremonies in that space and it was just like oh this is next level good and that, that you're actually utilizing all this information that everybody talks about i you know i do myself also but i still those are the people that i look up to even you know even though i also do it, it's like oh yeah that dude's doing it you know you're making functional use out of these ideas and and which is going to put uh put more nuance into a lot of these where you start, uh, we were just talking about this with uh, uh, the Matt Powers episode where um, where we're talking about soil biology and some of the things he's bringing out. And when you start matching that to these different philosophies and different ideas, then it, it somewhat changes it, but it brings it into alignment with the way the real world works. And now all of a sudden the woo and the real are the same thing, you right. know, and, and that's what happens when you get that wisdom, when you actually do the work. And right. it, it's just absolutely beautiful, brother. Absolutely beautiful. I got into domes when I was a little boy because where I lived in South Florida, my dad and I would track the hurricanes. You know, we lived in like Hurricane Alley in South Florida. And it was this great thing. Like my dad taught me how to plot a map and everything and like that was so much fun watching the the storms like form over uh, off the coast of africa and come across the equatorial line and up through the caribbean and wow. so um i believe i was like five years old I, for, I forget the name of the hurricane but we had a really big hurricane hit florida and uh it was the best experience ever like the lights were out the house was shaking I was with my family and I just thought I love storms and um, it was just awesome. And so I always looked forward to hurricane season and my dad built uh, co commercial skyscrapers. And so he would take me to testing areas where they would test the materials, like the different glass for, for the skyscrapers. And they would like shoot two by fours at glass going like 125 miles per hour. So, so as a, so as a little, as a little boy, I was like the coolest thing ever is like, Hey, can we explode something? And so I really was always in my mind, like, can this survive a big storm? Because where we live, there were huge storms. And, uh, I saw this 60 minutes thing when I was a little boy and this guy had his house leveled in North Carolina from a hurricane. He couldn't get insurance. So he brought this Italian architect in who, who built him this massive dome home. And it survived the next hurricane that hit the island. And they put that on 60 Minutes. And my dad, I remember my dad saying, 
if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. So that was kind of like lodged, lodged in the back of my right. head. And that then, seed was planted. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I got into Victor Shawberger when I was when I was moving to Costa Rica, and he kept talking about the egg shape and everything to deal with the egg shape and the geometry of the egg and why the egg is so important in nature. Like it's the perfect flow form. And I, I couldn't get enough of it. And so I learned how to build the lancet arch domes because that's like the narrow pointy part of the egg. That's the male, that's the male polarity. And then I got into the hemispherical side because that's like the butt of the egg. That's like the, the female side. So you have the male-female polarity that keeps the the liquid moving the way it should. But I, I really got into domes to build water tanks. I was going to build egg water tanks everywhere. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Because the rural area where I lived here in, in Costa, all the con they use these big concrete boxes to store the spring water. And it's sort of antithetical to the whole point of having spring water. <laughs> right. you you're throwing you're the spring water. <laughs> yeah. You end up having all these dead spots in the box, like uh, Crow Triple Seven, he calls them the, the angles of sorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. Because when you get into these tanks and try and clean them, guess where all the muck and the filth is? It's, it's no joke. And it's the same way when you live in a box, like when you live in a box house, all the bugs go to the, the angles of sorrow. They all go to those areas where there's no flow. And so um, I'm really excited. I'm, we're looking at a farm in Missouri. I just, I just got done looking at the topos before, before you called and it's perfect. It has a, it has a, a year round stream that's only about 50 feet lower than the highest point of the farm. It has good flow. So I'll ram pump my water up to the top part of the farm and then gravity feed it down and just, just feed all my ponds getting all the way down through, through the acreage. So I, I got really excited seeing that. That's fantastic. And I also thought, if I had that availability, because that ramp pump is so awesome, but my mountain is like this. It is steep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so by the time I built it up, I'm going a couple hundred feet to get back up. It's it's fairly ridiculous here. Um, but mm -hmm. I was if I could get it to do it, it's like then if I put a, a mild uh, uh, turbine in it, in the stream coming back down and caught it back into a reservoir before setting it up onto the house uh, mm -hmm. I, uh that would really i do unplug that pump water pump as a matter as a matter of fact now that i'm saying talking about all this <laughs> we yeah. had to, the with fire we immediately start pumping water and trying to fill up our yeah. reservoir right now like fires around fill the water <laughs> yeah i get it yeah and so yeah uh but that exactly that would that would you know supply a little bit of consistent power yeah, yeah. you know uh, consistent power now the only thing i don't like about that is is i think turbines probably kill the water 
Yeah. Yeah, they do. But there's a bunch of Tesla turbines that are about to hit the market. Really? That yeah. are going to that are going to try and stop that effect? Don't kill the water cuz it uses the laminar flow to create an adhesive effect on the water. So, it's not pressurizing the water like you would think. It's not it's not creating a slack break. Right. It's not it's not creating that. What's actually happening is the nozzles shoot the water in between flat discs. And it's just the fact that the surface tension of the water is moving so fast. Oh. That, cre oh. that creates the RPMs. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen small versions of that produced. Yeah. Uh, I, I I've seen that. I, and I've and I've actually wondered about that, that nobody's but I assume that that was probably the patent game. People don't realize uh, this is why I really love George Weissman, that he just totally opted out of that. And he's one of the few because most people let that greed get a hold of them and they go play that patent game. And people don't realize how horrifying the patent system is and how many things it actually prevents that they, they will go in and throw in somebody comes up with a good idea and they don't want to put money into it but they don't want you to make it either they throw a patent on it and it's dead it's gone um yeah. one of the things i actually thought of was uh you know uh ticks are supposed to back out if you put heat on them. and well that's really hard to do and so i thought uh take a tweezers and put a little uh just put a little uh resistor in the end and just mm -hmm. run a couple wires to it and then you pinch down on it and the end heats up and you just blip and you're done and right. i was just going to call it a tick tweezer and you know somebody made one that was much nicer and cooler than the idea that i have but it's never actually been produced but i can't couldn't produce mine either because of the patent so it doesn't even matter that you know somebody wants to produce it that item just gone from the market and i think it would really be a cool uh, thing for people, especially that live out in the mountains here where we're dealing with ticks a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah I, sorry. No, I feel you. I, I tried to do the patent process on the invention that I had once, and that was a huge, huge money investment for no, for no outcome. None. Yeah. 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 And patent lawyers, as soon as you get going to go dump your money to lawyers, that's the only person that's really getting paid in this process for sure. The that, only one. That was the, what was extremely frustrating to me was because if they would have done their job and actually, because the, the whole thing about the patent lawyer is that they're supposed to find whether or not there is an umbrella patent that covers your concept. That's yeah. all their hours should be for. That's it. And I had no idea that I could go and do USPTO.gov and do it myself and all this other yeah. stuff. I was totally green behind the ears and I, I had some money to work with. So I was just like, oh, I'll let the professionals do it. Bad, bad mistake. They, they just strung me out, ate it up. Oh, let our yep. people draw the plans. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So, yeah. And the thing is right now, I really feel like the cycle, the part of the cycle that we're in, we're at the end of that anyway. We're at the end of creation. <laughs> it's really well, like, just, 
just utilize what's already been done. There's nothing new under the sun. Like it's already been done. You can literally just take yeah. something that's already out there. All the free energy stuff has already been made. It's all there. Just, just don't have an ego about it. Just find, find what you need and, and use it. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't try and get rich. I think that that's the, that, that passive income is one of the, the, the biggest mistakes people get stuck in their head that they're going to basically be able to sit home in their, in their lazy boy and just get rich. And, and where you kind of quit working, quit being in the natural system, that entire idea is such a broken idea. And it's one that they sold the boomers and the, uh, you know, with their 401ks and their, uh, you know, social security. And, uh, you know, you're going to be able to just sit back for the rest of your life and not do anything and sip my ties on a beach somewhere. And, and that, that system does not work. And, and we're suffering the, the consequences of it right now. And mm -hmm. that's people don't even realize that that's why so many of these corporations are folding under. Uh, it, it's, it's because they didn't really have the money to keep paying this and they kept promising money out. Well, that money's come due and right. they don't have it. <laughs> so yeah, that's driving so much of this. Uh, mm -hmm. It, I completely agree that we're in the end times. Now, one of the things that I wonder is, because uh, from my perspective, this is all just basically the whole world is a battle in, in my in my perspective. This is just all one big battle. Yeah. And batteries eventually uh, lose their charge. That's just how it works. And then it ne ends up needing a recharge. So I wonder if uh, at some point some of these, energy systems that were what we'd call more of the free energy didn't have a little more spunk to them like uh we talk about where uh, you know the the fruits and vegetables don't have the nutrient don't have the life in it it used to is right. is everything just generally like that i think so you know i i really think so the spunk is kind of gone like i yeah. i really at like a lot of the tart what's deemed you know antiquitech or tartarian you know architecture and in that time the beauty of that architecture to me lets me know that it was a higher consciousness and mm -hmm. in that higher consciousness i believe there was more juice i think the the ether the ether contextually was part of the lexicon you know so Ether, the ether has been taken out of the le our, our current lexicon. So that which provides the phenomenon or the phenomenon with with its uh, energetic sponsorship, I think, has been kind of uh, drained from the system. That that makes sense to me. Hundred percent. Like even with the way these uh, uh, fires have been happening all over the world for the last so many years and the way just recently in california there's all kinds of areas where the plants are getting diagnosed with ultraviolet burning now that's very interesting and everybody immediately wants to point out the quality of the sun but the quality of the mercury the ether that's in between us and the sun that's supposed to be making the sun bioavailable for us 
nobody wants to talk about the quality of that that everything in between us and the sun of course then again that then that brings up the the, the chem trailing and things like that what are they, what are they doing to the light of the sun and to the way it's able to be received that is possibly making it to where it's something that would have been beneficial isn't at all yeah yeah, I thought I really thought that the weather modification in in Costa Rica and Central America was bad. It it's not nothing compared to what it is in Europe and in the United States. The the yeah. two places I live like I lived in Central Europe for about eighteen months over two years, and they literally tic tac toed the sky daily. Like it was every day you were looking through a very thick white haze. And now where I live in, in the Ozarks, it, I wanted to ask you about this because maybe you have some thoughts on this. It's my first year of being there in that area of the world, but there's literally not any front. There's not any organic natural front that I see move through. If they're not spraying, it's, there's nothing in the sky. It's a very, right. it's a very interesting. And then every time that they spray within 12 hours, we'll get weather. See, and that naturally that makes zero sense because I've lived mountains most of my life and fronts butt up against the mountain and build up and build up. Um, if you lived in uh, uh, anything on what they call the front range of the Rocky Mountains, uh, like if you were hanging out in Denver like or Boulder, like four or five o'clock every day, all of a sudden that would that that front would keep building up and building up and then it unleash what it had and then it would move on. Um, obviously, the air circulates in them lower areas and then butts up against where those mountains are. So that makes absolutely zero sense that you're not getting the currents that you should be. There should definitely be currents. Um, well, the, Oz the Ozarks are more like hills. I can't even call them mountains. Like the very ah. high, the very highest is like 2,400 feet. That's not that's not a mountain. They call it like the Ozark, right. mountain, the Boston mountain range. It's not. They're like rolling hills. You know. It's, it's very majestic and beautiful, but it's definitely nothing like the Rockies. Right, right. Well, and, and you're also still talking about you should have ocean air pushing around. Your no, ocean no. air should be. Arkansas, like northern Arkansas, southern Missouri. Nope. Wow. Just like it. You know, when I, when I was in, uh, I did boot camp in Fort Leonard Wood, uh, Missouri. And uh, uh, I don't recall it ever being particularly windy. And now that I think about it, the air was so humid and just still. It always re it reminded me of soup. I was like, am I trying to run through soup right now? And it was like that all the time. Well, it's funny that you say that because I'm from South Florida I went to school in Michigan. Then I moved back to South Florida. Then I lived in India and Southern, then Southern India. And then I moved to Costa Rica. So now being in 50% humidity in the Ozarks is literally like dry. Like I'm like, 
everybody's complaining about the humidity. And I'm like, oh, you don't know humidity. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, that's just like uh, the other day. Um, my neighbor, she tries taking this camper trailer and pulling it out of here. And mm. uh, there's a there's a, a sharp right over a culvert with the ravine. And she does, she's not, she's like dead center in the road. Her truck wasn't even off to the left. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, and so she dumped that camper uh, down in the damn ravine. So it's some Mexican ladies and she's Guatemalan. And they're sitting there and Brian and I are sitting out there. We're like going back to the house for jugs of water and stretch just. And they're sitting out there in sweaters and sweat right. and sweatpants and stuff. Yeah. Like they're just like, oh, yeah, this is nice. And Brian and I are like, oh, God. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still coming down to Costa for work. And like, I swear, like. It's 100% humidity. I don't know if you can hear the rain right now. But it, if it's 85 degrees with 100% humidity, I'd rather be in 100-degree weather with 50% humidity. Right. That, right. That, that's just my personal dosha. Like, I'm, I'm already – I already have a lot of fire, and I already have um, a lot of earth in my dosha. So whenever I'm in a super wet area, I feel like I'm being like, I feel like I'm being attacked where when I'm in a breezy drier environment, I feel I come alive like Alpine environments for me. It's just like my dosha is like, yes. Oh. You know, I love it. Yeah. I, I, I hate leaving my home at this point. Um, you know, I live in Humboldt. So I'm just a ways away from the ocean. It's very fresh air, no saltiness. Uh, the temperature is usually really nice. Uh, mm -hmm. Pretty much it fluctuates. 40 to, 40 to 70 is mostly our temperature throughout the year. And mm -hmm. it's not dry air, but it's also not really wet air. Um, like over in Redding, where we moved from, Redding is like 117 degrees in the summer. There was the second year i lived there for 73 days in a row it was over 100 degrees over 110 73 days in a row and never even at night wasn't dropping below 100 uh i'm like this is inhuman and and my lungs would feel so horribly dry you couldn't really breathe uh that's yeah. so that it's no good either no no i yeah. agree with you not for me Mm -mm. Mm -mm. My friend Jason just moved, Gabe just moved to Arizona. I'm like, why? <laughs> why would people live there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that I've actually, I have to say, Northern Arizona, like Grand Canyon, like yeah. uh, New Mexico area, I have to say, that's one of my favorite areas in the world. Like you get up into, yeah. up into the mountains there. Oh, it's so beautiful. 100%. Christy and I are getting ready to go there in October when we go to Flattoberfest. I'm, I'm speaking yeah. at Flattoberfest this year. And we're going to go through, and she has never seen the Grand Canyon. We're going to go do that. And we're just going to – she's calling it our second honeymoon. We're just going to kind of make a I, – I still hear air support. Um, 
but yeah, they might, it might, they just might be, they, they've got it pretty well covered. But uh, uh, we're, we're talking about that. She's talking about it's going to be a second honeymoon. We're going to go visit a bunch of people and kind of do this whole loop where we go down because we're basically dead center in the country here, you know, where we live. And we're going to go down south and then see a bunch of things and then come back on the north side and just kind of go visit a bunch of people, see a bunch of things. Um, what, what's yeah. your travel van? What, what are you traveling in? Uh, well, we've got two things that we're either going to do. One of them's I've got an F-250 with the uh, with the 7.3 uh, power stroke in it. Yeah. And uh, so part of me wants to just get a, a pull behind camper because uh -huh. we take dogs with us and everything. And then part of me wants to just grab uh, one of them mid-sized campers that you can drive around pretty decently. I've had yeah. a 30-footer, and those are horrible, just horrible. Like, you know, you they're, they're cool when you get parked in, like, an RV park and you got the kids, but you can't get it, go to town to get food. You know, you're, you're basically stuck to, to going to truck stops. Like, what, are you going to tool into downtown with your 30-foot camper, you know? And, um, and so it, it really limits what you can do. And I was thinking maybe, like, one of, like, 15 foot or something like that that you can actually get around in uh, mm -hmm. then it makes no different than a truck and a trailer but once again part of me says just do it uh get the pole behind and then i can just leave that camp because then there's going to be times christy and i are both doing something and then we can just lock the camper and turn on the ac and let the dog sit there and cry about being abandoned <laughs> yeah good stuff you betcha you bet so yeah I mean, and there's a lot of people in missouri we definitely might have to stop by there brother yeah um, man yeah southern yeah. is great i think that's uh were you on chan scarton's interverse yeah yeah you i think betcha. that was that's i think that was, the first, that was the first time i heard you nice yeah nice. chance a good guy chance is awesome yeah he's he's just north of me, but I'm about to be his neighbor to the east. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so you're down there. I know so many people in that area. It really almost makes it tempting because we were looking at uh, getting rid of this place and and moving out somewhere else, somewhere more uh, uh, politically, somewhere less politically insane. You sure. know, uh, California is just so overwhelming. Do you know that uh, Newsom's dumbass signed uh, a bill that says that uh, they're cutting out gas chainsaws? You know, get small gas motor. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Like, I love DeWalt. I've got the whole DeWalt 20 volt uh, along with the, uh, what do they the call that? Fuel DeWalt system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've got that whole system, and I mean, don't get me wrong, like them ones where you put like I've got that big miter saw, uh, big twelve inch miter saw or sixteen inch miter saw that takes two batteries, and that thing's every bit as tough as the wall plug in one. I don't care, I still wouldn't buy their chainsaw and go try to cut down one of these trees that is five feet across. That's insane. Like, right. you know, I understand your weed whacker is probably just fine being battery operated, 
but you can't take away the big chainsaws for people out in the mountains. Like you think that this is a fire problem now, like take away these people's chainsaws. You're yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah, that is insane. And that, that gets back to like carbon. Like we started this whole conversation talking about carbon and yeah. the, whole, the whole scam that is because a lot of people don't know carbon doesn't hold heat. No. <laughs> they no. make they make anthenors and they make all these things for because the very fact that they make them out of graphite and carbon because they can handle so much heat, but they don't they're not a storage of heat. And so yeah. just the whole scam of saying, okay, something that makes up less than three percent of our of the volume on this ball, you know, that fucking bullshit. But like you know, let's just say if, if they're measuring it any what accurately, they're saying, okay, carbon dioxide makes up 3% of the atmospheric gas. And that is what's causing these fluctuations. It's just absurd. It's an absolute absurdity. Yeah, it, it has zero actual science behind it. And and that's the problem is, is the general public has devolved into such an ignorance that they're just super easy to fleece and super easy to trick and and anybody that doesn't have any kind of a personal moral system that says don't fleece other people it's just open season for people at this point i mean we like to pretend like the snake oil sell salesmen of the 1800s were like so ha 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 them people were dumb like <laughs> we've gotten no better <clears throat> No, that's true. That is true. Yeah, it's super easy to fleece. You can sell people just about anything. I, I really like... Um, now, have you tried with these homes where you're trying to maybe move toward the Organite-type concept? Um, so Matt Powers, when I was talking to him, one of the things that he, they're having success with is layering and this is i i brought this up to him immediately like this is how an orgone accumulator is made not quite like the whole organite that most people think of but where they're layering inorganic and organic material mm -hmm. and he's finding better success with the compost where they're taking just dead clay material where all the carbon's basically been cooked out of it and uh layering that in between the layers of compost and it's actually uh, creating that more energetic effect and it's trading out then and pushing and becoming more structured where it's pushing the electrons down and the ions up and everything's going real nice and well, that's actually helping that makes sense to me because clay is paramagnetic so paramagnetic would be the feminine and diamagnetic would be the masculine. So if you're doing masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine, masculine, feminine, you're going to have the child <laughs> at some point. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, the, now are you, have you looked at maybe implementing that in the homes? It's already there because of our mix. Nice. So the very first mix, I, the very, the very first, first layer that I put up over the metal skeleton is nylon. So that's a hydrocarbon. Oh. 
So hydrocarbons, that's my first, you know, you could call it an inorganic layer, but by weight, it's 98% fossil fuel. It's a hydrocarbon that's frozen. So I freeze that in concrete and then I come over that with a, a secondary layer um, of metal mesh. So I have a grid, that's the ferrocement aspect. And then the concrete that you pour on top of that is uh, I think by weight, it's 90% sand. So you have the silica component mixed with your ferrous component. Think, think, think. And then you come over that with the aircrete, which is man-made coral. That's why my company's name is Coral Domes, is the thick layer that you put on top of that is, um, you know, cement is mainly um, uh, calcium. Yeah. So yeah. the aircrete aspect of it just adds billions of microcavules inside of that, just like coral. And then that goes over the ferrous component. And then we sandwich over that another layer of nylon impregnated with cement. So you wow. have so you have that layering effect. Wow. Oh my God. I, I I've got to check this out. I've got to stop by and check this out. That that is amazing. Freaking yeah, it's amazing. have have you done some things now like in the feminine side um like would you putting seeds in there and then doing a comparison to get off their fly um <laughs> did they, i i turned the air conditioner off so i wanted to make sure i heard you and well, as soon as that air conditioner that flies just move right back in don't they um, yes they do but uh putting something like seeds uh in the feminine side and then would you say that like the trying to store your fruit where like maybe uh you're trying to keep that uh air moving and projecting out that would be what you would do with more of the masculine side then well I like the great room to be like it, it with this particular concept. And this is a concept I have to admit is what I like. It's not what I'm saying is like the universal thing. I always liked great rooms where like the whole family could congregate. And when you have a round great room, the acoustics are really, really cool. And you can have a lot of fun in that space. Like I can run after my kids in a very easy way. I can build really beautiful thermal mass heaters that are like built into the wall that are curved. Like everything about this space is much more of a cozy space, which I would associate with the feminine energy. There's just like, the, it's just like my mentor at Cal Earth, he's, he used to call them bed wombs instead of a bedroom. Yeah. You know, like you, nice. you just, you always feel like you're nurtured in that space. And then that's the center. That's the home. You know, the, the man builds the house. The woman makes the home. That's, yep. that's, the, that's the hearth. And then as you span out and you have your bedrooms, your office, your bathrooms, 
all that becomes a much more male space. Those spaces are more, uh, how should I say it? Um, those, those spaces are more purpose-driven, like, you know, mm -hmm. form, form meets function, you know, where yeah. the, the center of the dome space itself is just like, that's like the artistic hearth, heart of the home. That's sort of where just, that's just where the art of living occurs. And because and the rooms are vaulted, you know, the minimum height of the ceiling is the minimum of like 16 feet high. So it has a nice expansive feel to it. Like it's not it's not um, I've been in a lot of dome structures that people built and I, I always appreciate the shape, but they're so small that you feel like eh, you don't really right. feel. And I, I really notice women don't like the, um, how should I say it, feeling confined like that. Right. Like men can get in their man cave and be all functional and be like, ah, oh, this is perfect, low energy costs. Women, on the other hand, I build for a lot of women is like, no, they want air and they want light and they want space and like, so I had to listen to that because that's my customer base a lot of the time. And uh, it, yeah. makes sense. it makes sense because uh, they're right. <laughs> most, of the, mo most of the time when it comes to that, I have to say I le I've learned a lot by listening to my female clientele because they would bring up all these little suggestions. And at first, my functional male mind would be like, but wait a minute this structure is perfect, you know? And it, yeah. I, I had to think on the, on the comfort level, the yin side of things, like there is a value to coziness. There is a value to these other things. So I'm learning. <laughs> Hopefully I'm learning. 100%. 100%. I get the same thing. Like, especially if I'm out and about doing something like, like if we're going to make a couple day trip, I will basically, I am the freaking laser and anything that excludes not just immediately getting there, doing what we have to do and getting immediately back. I don't care. I don't care about no comfort. I don't care about, you know what? I'm just going to get there and get it done and come back. That's what I'm going to do. And, and, you know, and my wife, she's going to bring every, everything that she could possibly imagine to make this whole experience better. And, mm -hmm. you know, it which also then drives me nuts because I'm like, why are we doing all this? And we end up meeting somewhere in the middle and it makes it a nice experience where, you know, totally there's some things she does that uh, I would not have done, but all of a sudden in the moment, it's like, Oh, this is nice. Yeah. This is nice. Yeah. I admit. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thank you for bringing the extra pillows. Cause that, this is actually, this just, this just made me sleep better. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> exactly exactly like i said me i would have been like literally just pants i'll bring a i'll bring a hoodie in case it gets cold you know and what i'm wearing and a bottle of water and i'm out the door like yeah. i'll be back in a couple of days like <laughs> you know and, and just laser focused with it yeah it's uh that balance is so beautiful and, and i'm with you i had a hard time learning that also because I spent years as a hermit and everything was very, uh, I talk about this. If, if men ran the world, we'd still live in caves. We wouldn't care. 
definitely. You know, our, our big upgrade was I poop outside now. It's right. good. Yeah. Dave doesn't speak. <laughs> yeah, we, we have our muses for a reason, you know. You betcha. You bet. Yep. A hundred percent. Well, with that, it uh, looks like we're closing down to about the first hour, which I'm pretty excited about because there's some things that I didn't really uh, want to talk about with Topher on uh, uh, the YouTube side because things are going to get a little funky because some of his uh, uh, theories he's discussed, I would uh, very much like to discuss, uh, including uh, the predator-prey understanding and uh, the psyche behind that. Uh, so I, I don't think that that discussion would have been taken well on YouTube. So I've been really holding back with some of the things that I really want to talk about on this one. So, uh, come on over to the Rockfin side, guys. It doesn't cost anything to just click the link. You can get the whole show. Um, if you want to leave a comment, uh, come in and sign up just like you did with YouTube and you can, you can leave a comment. Uh, if you, uh, <clears throat> want to become a premium member, I definitely highly appreciate that. And then you get access to all the people on Rockfin's premium accounts, uh, things like Conspiracy Social Club or Jimmy Dore or any of those type of people. Uh, you get all of them. And uh, please, Topher, throw out uh, your information again real quick because this is going to come out next week. And let's get as many people uh, checking out this man's information as possible. Mid-August, uh, my website, topherhq.com, will be up. And then that will have links to all my other sites. And uh, people, if they immediately want to see my stuff, they can go to BioCharisma on Instagram. And that's where I've had probably, I don't know, like four or 500 videos of different things that I've been experimenting with. Love it. Love it. I, I've been recently kind of yelled at for not doing more of my experiments and little little nonsense or you know they aren't nonsense but things that i do uh like why'd you quit making those oops sorry <laughs> but with that love you guys we'll see you on the other side <laughs>